Today, we are addressing something that every single one of us deals with. No exceptions from a 25 handicapper to Tiger Woods. It's swing thoughts. There's something that is going on in our brains when we swing a golf club. There's something that we have to focus on. And those have an impact on our performance. And today, we're sitting down with a few different guests to talk about this topic. One of those is going to be Mark Immelman. Back in 2008, when I was helping my brother Trevor at the Masters, he was hitting the golf ball beautifully and we arrived in Augusta, Georgia, and he was battling with his putting. In fact, it missed the cut at the Houston Open the week prior, and, and it was just a function of the ball not going into the hole. And, and I'd seen some footage, and I thought the stroke was okay, but the problem with the golfer always is that when things are going awry, the informed golfer, I should say, they'll typically look upon themselves and try and adjust something. So I went to Augusta and I, I just had the go and I said to him, let's just check it out in the morning. So we got together and, and I just gave him the simple image of hitting putts in a yes and no format and the main goal being to try and start the ball on the intended line. We used a ball marker and put that a couple feet out in front of the golf ball, about a foot and a half, on the intended line. And the goal was to roll the ball over the marker. And if you struck the putt well and it rolled over that marker, it was a yes putt. If you struck it poorly and you missed the marker, it was a no putt. And what he quickly realized when we had done this for about 10, 15 minutes was that some of his no putts went in the hole and some of his yes putts didn't. And so it, it sort of freed him up a little bit. And so the idea there was, okay, the thought here is to roll the ball over that target. The rest of this is out of my control. And so that, that to me was sort of the ultimate swing thought and that it was somewhat mechanical, it was somewhat actionable, and there certainly was a, a meaningful feedback from, from the swing thought. You know, others I've seen were Gary Player, who've mentioned to me about when he hits fairway bunker shots, how he focuses on a dimple on the front side of the golf ball to ensure clean contact. Another good swing thought I've heard was something Bubba Watson shared where when he said he tried to hit a drive a little longer and a little harder, the key was to complete the backswing. So his thought was to try and kiss his shoulder at the top of the swing, which would ensure that the body pivot was completed and the, the, the mechanism was wound up a little bit more. So there are various ways that it can take it on, but I think the ones that stand out to me the most were definitely those three, with obviously the 2008 Masters being extra special. You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking with leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. So today we are looking at swing thoughts and we're going to do it in a few different ways. Our first way is from kind of the, uh, this research idea, what's been done on that. And we have Dr. Noel Rousseau who's coming on. He has this great perspective. He's an instructor, a coach, a, a player, and he's done a, a lot of work to try to figure this out. He's been a contributor on the site before. I, I really enjoy his perspective. And so he's going to be on bringing that. Number two, we have kind of the story anecdotes from Matt Parziali, player. He won the U.S. Mid-Am in 2017. 
And he's actually back at the U.S. Open this weekend. He went, he made it through sectionals and everything, which is amazing. He was on the podcast a little bit ago telling his story of how he got so good. And then finally, we have Mark Immelman. He has a, a brilliant podcast on the mark. He's an instructor, a coach amongst a number of different things in the industry. Great perspective as well. I'm excited. Let's get to it. This podcast is sponsored by Gravity Fit. We all want to swing it like a tour pro, right? So we're working on our golf swings. We're trying to improve our contact and directional control. And I'll say one of the biggest things, caveat there, is while reducing pain and discomfort caused by poor movement in the golf swing. And around here, we like things like science-based, tour-proven, simple to use. Gravity Fit checks those boxes. If you haven't tried it out, it's feedback training equipment that can help you with your golf swing, your posture, spine, and joint health. I actually have it in my office and use it daily just to help me bring awareness to my posture and avoid back and neck pain while sitting working for long periods of time. I know that that might seem strange here, but it's been super helpful. And then I take it to the range and help train my setup and movement patterns while doing some practice there. Can't recommend this enough. Like I said, it's in my office. I use it on a regular basis. Learn more at gravityfit.com golf. Use the coupon code GSL. Gravity Fit, stronger, longer, sweeter. To me, swing thoughts are a call to action, honestly. I think oftentimes when a goal is defined or when a mission is objectified, it, it helps the, the individual focus a little bit more intently. And so a swing thought to me is a call to action. And so instead of just getting over the golf ball and having a happy hit and sort of hoping for the best, having a swing thought is a key to making sure that the necessary is taken care of. And, and I think having a swing thought, as far as I'm concerned, is an inter integral part of success. I'd rather have one than none, and I'd certainly have rather have one than plenty. I think plenty can throw the cat amongst the pigeons. Now, not all swing thoughts are created equal. We all can relate. You have that one feel, which works really well. You have another feel you just struggle with, and you're trying to find a new one. Matt talks about what a good swing thought is for him in his game. I would say it's half feelings, it's half what you're thinking, and it could be it could be none of those. It's it's what works for you on the course to perform at your best. And I want to tread lightly in this because if people hear this, they're going to think, "Oh, I have to have this swing thought and I have to do this." The second you try to force something, you create tension. So whatever it is that you do to have no tension and be free, which Greg and I talk about this all the time, free, we don't like the word, but it's kind of the word you have to use. Whatever creates that, that's, that's what you go with. And that's what you do. You want to go down with your best stuff. You don't want to change last minute. So let's take a look at the research side here. Research has put swing thoughts in a few different groups categories of how we can label these. So let's have Noel explain those. Yeah, one swing thought is not the same as, you know, as, as another from a whole, a whole number of um, perspectives. So if you're going to look at the, you know, the different types of swing thoughts, you've obviously got in, in the way that you've alluded to there, the internal external focus of attention, which is, I'm sure most of your listeners will be fairly aware of that, which is a brilliant line of research. So internal focus being on your body and how you kind of control that and external being on 
more of the effect of the movement. So, in, you know, in the golf swing, that's going to be predominantly the, the club and the club face. The idea there being that you're, you know, if you're focusing on the external factors, i.e. the club face, then you are just then allowing your body to and your brain to self-organize the movement in order to, you know, coordinate the club face. And in that way, you're going to be much more automatic. The research would suggest a lot less prone to, to breaking down under pressure as well. So, I mean, there's huge advantages of that external focus, whereas internal focus, you know, you've got to really think about how the body moves. And that may not be in a way that relates to the to the task. You know, you might be thinking a lot about your, your backswing when you're chipping, and that may give you a fantastic backswing, but not necessarily the right distance on the shot or the strike, etc. So that's, yeah, that's the, the internal, external focus. But you know, there's, there's lots of other um, categories as well. So then you've got the kind of part movement or holistic movement. So, you know, how, how much you break break the movement down is, um, you know, is significant as well, isn't it? I mean, if, if I'm if I'm just thinking on the course about, um, I don't know, turn turn back, turn through. I mean, that's a, that's that that thought pretty much covers the whole the whole swing, but in very broad terms. Whereas, you know, if I've broken my swing down into where my elbow points at the top of the back swing and, you know, and maybe another checkpoint too. Well, yeah, they, they are two very precise and you know distinct alignments I'm trying to create. I mean, that is going to break down the, the fluidity of the, of the motion. But that's not to say it's you know it's completely wrong. If you, if you've practiced while thinking about those two you know those two swing thoughts and it and that that thought process has been chunked and it's something that you can now deal with quite easily, then that that may may work for you very nicely. But um, certainly not you know as a, as a new swing thought on the day, I would I would keep it very broad. And ideally, a whole movement focus would be a lot better under pressure. I do like the external where you're thinking of the club head, you're thinking of, like you said, maybe it's the target, the ball flight. I bounce around and I remember playing before the Masters last year, a swing thought I had, it was in a four ball event down in Florida and I had a I had a great one. It was on the club head, and I hit really well that day. The next day, it was completely different. And I do remember that vividly, even though it was just a four ball, which is fine. And I, and I move on. I don't try to force it to get it back. You know what I mean? I, I, I move on and try to find the next little thought or feeling that, that feels right at the time. Our two big categories we have external and internal swing thoughts. And if you go back, you can hear an interview with Dr. Gabrielle Wolf on external focus. She's a researcher who has done a bunch of work on it. This was probably a couple years ago on the podcast. And she was talking about the benefits of external focus, meaning that you're thinking about something outside of your body that could be the flag off in the distance or the ball flight or even the ground under your feet. It's anything outside of you. And that opening story Mark told about helping his brother, uh, Trevor, putting at the Masters, right? And he was moving to more of an external focus and saw obvious improvements from going in that direction. I do feel like too many golfers at times, if they swing thoughts-based, if that's their approach, that at times it can get a bit too internal and a bit too cerebral. And, you know, at times you can think about trying to, uh, you know, shoot the ball into the basket and then you get too, as Gary Player would say, paralyzed by analysis. So, yeah, there are times I think it's the art of good golf instruction is to, to find a way to move the golfer out of his or her head and more into the athletic response of things. 
Here's another example of internal and external thoughts from Matt. And listen and see if you can identify if this is, this is an internal or external swing thought. I had a thought of like just the club being in front of me. I mean, everyone gets stuck in underneath. It's just that, but I just had the feeling of, this was two weeks ago, of the club being in front of me as much as possible, ahead of me, uh, ahead of the body, I would say. Club head matched up with the hands rather than trailing, which it never is, but it's a thought you want to have. And that's something that I've tried to work on my, my my whole life. And the more you get that feeling, I feel like that's where you get the most control. So I would say that that's probably an external thought. If, if you're focusing on the club or the weight of the club, that's something away from the body. It's not as distal or, or distant as, you know, a spotting on the ground in front of a putt like Mark talked about, but it, it's more distal or external than thinking about your shoulders or your wrists or something like that completely internal. All right. So this kind of thought leads me to a premise that I hold true. And it's not what we are thinking. It's not the swing thought itself, but it's how it helps us think. It's the state of mind. Hit the shot you want to hit. In other words, it's the state that you are in over that shot. This leads me to Dr. Debbie Cruz's research on performance states. She was on the podcast in the past as well. And her research shows that there's a particular state that is most conducive for good performance in that second before you start your golf swing. So before you bring the club back, the second before that, she's found a particular brain state and that's being something that's kind of level. So we're looking at the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain. You know, you kind of have your analytical and your creative sides and those are kind of leveled out. And she has some really compelling research. She also has some training on this. It's called Opti. And I don't know if you've seen videos or we've talked about in the past, but there's this headband, the Muse headband, and she has some software for it. And you can kind of train the state. And my premise to you is that you can feel the difference when you get in that state, when you don't. And you can recognize that state is probably the state when you've played good golf. And it's definitely not what you're thinking. It's how you're thinking. It takes work. It takes practice and it ebbs and flows. What we have this week as a swing thought probably isn't the one that's going to be working next week. Back even into college, I remember tournaments where I I won or had some success that I got a thought maybe the first day or the second day and kept it going. And sure enough, the next week, it's a different thought. So I I try to move on from them, try to stay fresh because In all honesty, I mean, my swing doesn't really change. Most people's swings don't really change, but feelings change of what you're trying to do. It's such a mercurial game we play, and we live and play in such a variable environment that having one thing and expecting it to last for a long time, I think is an unfair approach to it because we just change. Like, you might wake up in the morning and, you might feel a little tighter in your right shoulder. And let's say you've been trying to get your right shoulder rotated behind you. Well, you just can't do that on the day because of circumstance. So, yeah, I think that's why um, swing thoughts vary. Um, But oftentimes, I guess if you look from the 36,000-foot view, the swing thought will sort of come out of the same environment or the same family. You know, like a golfer working on, let's say a golfer shorts his or her pivots. You know, the swing thought, this week might be, let's rotate the trail hip behind us more. The next week would be, well, let's try and get the lead shoulder more under the chin. 
the next week may be, well, let's feel the pressure shift between the feet. You know, those are different thoughts, but in the end, they're all trying to achieve the same goal if you look at it from that sort of ethereal sort of a vantage point. I'm always, the key to doing me well as a teacher is finding a way to communicate with you so that the, the message resonates. You know, my message is only as good as what it's received. And I might have the best stuff in the world, but if it's not received and understood, it won't be applied. And so in terms of giving swing thoughts, again, I may be changing, coming from different angles all of the time and highlighting different things. Do you sense this? Do you feel that? What are you thinking about? You know, all with the, the objective of getting the golfer to a place where they're doing the right thing or the appropriate thing. So I feel like it's an interesting subject and there's so many ways that it can be approached. The key for the golfer, though, is to take ownership of whatever the thought is and realize that it may be fleeting and it might just last for only a round. But again, that's what we're about because golf is about the next shot and the round we're currently playing. Let's talk ideas. Let's test out some concepts and see if you can go out and find some different swing thoughts and start to think more intentionally about this. I think that's the biggest thing is I hope this conversation brings awareness to you about what you are thinking in the golf swing. I'm going to turn here to my friends at Vision 54, Lynn Marriott and Pia Nielsen, because they are excellent at this. I have their book here on the bookshelf next to me. I just grabbed it. Be a player. One of my favorite golf books out there. They have a concept called the play box, and that is related to this conversation about swing thoughts. If, if you're not familiar, they have this concept called the think box. Then we have the decision line, and then we have the play box. So in the think box, we're going to do all our processing. We're going to you know, pick the club and do all of that kind of work. Then we're going to make the decision line. If we're, if we're committed, this is what we're doing. We don't need to think about that anymore. Then we're going to get into that play box. And the goal is to create this athletic state so that we can hit the best shot possible. And there's a lot of different ways to do this. You know, we, we think about, you know, Jack Nicholas talked about how he always visualized or saw the shot. I don't know if you've, you've heard that. You hear Sam Snead practice barefoot. He potentially, you know, is feeling the ground or maybe use that as an anchor. Tiger talks about feeling the shot in his hands. That could have been, you know, kind of his swing thought. So everyone approaches it a little differently. You're different than me. You're different than the person next to you. So the question is, how do we figure this out? Well, one is obviously a golf instructor can help you try some different things. But here is a, a few concepts to go try. So have your swing thought be visualizing the ball flight, right? Pretend that there's a, a trace, like a top tracer on it, right? And visualize that as you swing the club, as you take it back. Maybe you focus on the pressure in your hands on, on your grip, right? That's kind of your anchor. Maybe it's uh, feeling the pressure in the bottom of your feet and how you kind of want it to go, you know, to the right and the left and how you want that to feel. Maybe it's uh, a relaxed your shoulders. Uh, what about feeling an engaged core? That's kind of your, your swing thought there. It could be a, a full turn. You want to feel a full turn back and then through. Or maybe it's, uh, you know, feeling the weight of the club. You, you want to focus on the, the weight of that club as you swing. And all these are, are different ideas. It, one of them might work, one of them might not, none of them might work and you find something else. But it's this idea of, of gaining awareness of these different things, what's going to work for you and what's not. Not getting attached to anything because what works for you today might not work next week. So you need to be, you know, a bit fluid in that. Again, it's not what you think, it's how you are 
thinking and test some things out. We are such a big fan. I'm such a big fan of testing, right? We don't do enough testing in golf. We don't experiment. There's nothing to hold on to here. You don't have to, you don't have to grip onto what you have because there's, you know, the best players in the world don't, you know, they're changing a few things here. So we don't either. And a post along with this website, I'll have the link to this book and Vision 54. They have an app as well, which helps you practice these. They have a few concepts. I would highly recommend picking that up. probably the biggest one external it's always always going to be helpful i would suggest not necessarily for long time learning but i mean if your ball is going offline focusing on on controlling the club face and how you deliver that i mean that will almost guarantee a significant improvement without thinking about how you're how you're having to, to deal with it and deliver it in a more a more technical manner just that focus on on delivering a you know a square a club face in the same way that you know when you're playing in the wind you know, good players report of, of having far less swing thoughts because they just can't deal with all the all the complexities of the swing. They just focus on what is absolutely critical to the shot, which is is going to be club face delivery in terms of um, you know, obviously loft in the wind and also um, face angle. So so that's one. I mean, focus on the things that really matter. So externally, that would be that would be club face, balance, fluidity, big um, big holistic thoughts like you know turn back turn through stay in balance would always trump smaller detailed elements of the swing what i will say is you know the trends i've seen are high handicap players are far more ball focused than low handicap players i mean most professionals would report of not really looking at the ball and certainly not thinking about it a great deal, which is in massive contrast to, you know, to weekend golfers who have a strong ball focus and, and you can see it in, in the movement. In which case, I mean, the thought to to just turn through and end in good balance, I think is brilliant. I mean, um, having any thoughts that are beyond impact, I, I think are, are generally very good and far more helpful than you know, positioning of the, of the club at the top of the backswing, etc. Trying, trying to get to a good finish is, a, is always a, a good thought to have. If you've been listening to this whole episode and you're like, Cordy, I just want to be in the zone the whole time and have no swing thoughts at all, right? Isn't that the best way? No swing thoughts. Don't be thinking. Don't think. That's how you play your best golf. You know, this kind of urban legend that's passed down from generation to generation of golfers well that was Knowles uh, you know he had heard that growing up as you know a player you being told just don't think about it you know don't think about your swing when you play right we, I think we've all heard that and so he studied it he created a study to figure this out and he it started with this exercise this drill to help people minimize those swing thoughts and to swing without thought so it's called the flow drill. And the aim is that, you know, you're standing behind the ball, I don't know, say three, three paces, and you do all your thinking and your preparation there. So, you, you know, you're not being mindless. You're, you're doing your, your shot planning. You're picking your target. Have your practice swing there. And, you know, in your practice swing, have a maybe two, two swing thoughts. But then align yourself behind the, behind the, the line of the ball and the target. And then once you commit to, to walking in, it's like, putting your lead foot on a on a conveyor belt you know it, the, the thing is moving and there's nothing that's going to stop you now other than putting your feet in and and setting the club moving so the big thing is there not to worry too much about where you're aiming and your ball position etc because that that's you know that's now you know creating all that internal checking and self-referencing put your feet down get reasonably comfortable and the moment that club touches the ground near the ball you take it away and begin the swing 
So he went out and tested this drill. He, you know, he got people to do it and created a, a formal study and figured out, would this help people play better golf? I started out with that as a, I mean, I'm a fairly analytical chap. And um, as a young player, I would, I would choke something horribly in, in, in competition. Um, I mean, I could show, shoot 20 shots more than I did in the practice round. I mean, properly choke. And, and when that, when that would happen, I would be, you know, absolutely riddled with swing thoughts, um, trying to control every aspect of the movement. And, and that's, you know, that's something that, that pressure does to, to, to a lot of us. It, it makes us want to kind of control and make sure that we don't, we don't mess up. And I'm sure a lot of your, a lot of your listeners will, will relate to that. And then, you know, and in, as, as things progressed and I became a coach, I got involved in a, in a brilliant um, academy and their whole kind of um, philosophy was about, you know, moving fluidly and not, not thinking too much about, about the technique. And as much as, you know, I would say that's, that's fairly limited, it, it does have huge, huge benefits. So the research was, I had this fantastic intervention, which um, basically stopped people thinking about their swing other than a few very basic holistic thoughts. And the idea was you would, you'd get yourself focused behind the ball, have your practice swing. You'd walk into the ball, plant your feet and hit it. I mean, not, not in a completely happy Gilmore way, but you know, you've got enough time to set yourself and then get moving. But what you don't have enough time to do is to stand over the ball, stop, think, worry, and engage in all the kind of self-instruction that you know would, would typically go on when you're, when you're standing on the first tee. That intervention I used used to use a lot. I mean, I still use it, but I mean, I used to use it a lot. Used with the right person at the right time is is, um, unbelievably transformational. I mean, I've seen people who are at their wits end with the game all of a sudden move fluidly in balance powerfully. And the strike is um, entirely different to what they they would have expected previously just by being forced into that state of of automaticity and, and low swing thought. So, those results were undeniable and I've seen them time and time again. But I was also seeing golfers who I would I would I had used the same kind of intervention with and it just didn't work. I mean, in fact, it made it made them worse and I'd had to kind of back out very quickly. So now after a few years of doing this, I mean I could see there was something with it. Um so I wanted to I wanted to um obviously pursue that and and, and get some get some research done. And there wasn't much research done on it at the time. I mean any research done on automaticity, so that's the, you know, not thinking about your swing in golf is all done on putting. And putting is, um, is a, you know, completely different task mechanically, um, obviously. So we were going into new, into new territory, really, with the full swing. There, there'd been no, no, um, no studies on the full swing and swing thoughts previously. So there we go. I mean, the, the aim was really, if I'm honest, for me to find out why this works and how I can make it work with more people and then revolutionize the way that we learn and play golf. But as the study panned out, it turned out to be a lot more complicated than that. So the first of five studies was on, I mean, we, we looked, we looked at the, we looked at that, that intervention under pressure, non-pressure and you know, compared the two. And then what we found initially, and bear in mind, this, this was with fairly good players. I mean, these were all um, six handicap and below. And we found that there, as a group, there wasn't any any difference as to when they were, you know, using the intervention or not using the intervention. You know, and incidentally, we were we were monitoring and checking whether it had reduced their swing thought, which which was confirmed. I mean, the intervention worked on that front, but their performance hadn't hadn't changed, which was, you know, somewhat disappointing because I really thought I, I was onto something with this drill. So 
So, you know, over the next few years, we did lots of variations of the drill. We, we gave people time to go away and practice it and get used to it because it was slightly harsh being forced to stand the stand on the tee quickly and hit it. But even after practice, um, there was no group wise, group wise um, results um, from a performance standpoint. So, you know, scratching our heads, we looked further through the data and I mean, it was pretty clear that some people were getting better when, when they were forced to not think about their swing and they were getting better in a very obvious and, you know, um, in, impressive way. Some people's um, performance got a bit worse. So that's that's why the whole kind of group wise um, average ne never improved. So then we had to start digging around as to you know, try and find out why some people are getting better and, and why, why some people aren't. And that took us down the route of looking at um, personality traits. What we did find then was that people with a, a larger working memory capacity, so basically the ability to hold on to information in their head and process at the same time, which is what we're doing when we're, when we're swinging with swing thoughts, these people did a lot better with the intervention. So these people were able to walk up to the ball, you know, put their feet in and hit it fairly quickly. Those people tended to get better with the intervention. Um, those with a small working memory capacity or smaller didn't do so well. We also looked at other cognitive traits, such as whether people were predominantly had a processing style of being auditory or more visual. So, so the auditory people were, were thinking more kind of verbal terms, lots of self-talk anyway, and the, um, the visual people would, would obviously thinking more in pictures. And again, there was quite a big difference there. The, 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 the verbalizers, as they were called, the, the auditory people found, that, found the intervention, again, a lot more, a lot more helpful. I hope that you have come a long way here in your conversation and your awareness of swing thoughts, the impact that they have and how to potentially think about them. Here's the truth. That play box, your swing thoughts, the feels that you have, the state that you're in, all of those words before you hit a golf shot are very, very important. So don't tread lightly when it comes to what you're thinking over the golf ball. Be intentional about how you approach that space and have a plan. Test out some of these ideas that I talked about earlier in the round. Test out Noel's uh, flow drill that he described here. Go try different things and see what works for you. A few things that I think you should do. One, pick up the Be a Player book by Pia Nielsen and Lynn Marriott. It's in the post uh, along with this podcast. I think you should pick that up and read that. Read about the think box decision line and play box and start to be very intentional about how you treat that space. Two, I think you need to head to the golf course and the driving range and try out different ideas and see what works for you. And three, I think before you go play golf and you're trying to perform at your best, you need to write down whether that's in the notes app on your uh, on your phone or that's on the scorecard that you have, what that play box, what that swing thought for the day is going to be for you so that you intentionally get in that state and you focus on getting in that state every time. Because otherwise, you know how a round goes. You, I mean, you, you make a bogey, you have a double bogey, you know, you get frustrated and then you're just trying, right? Or you let's say you make a birdie, you make a couple birdies and then you're kind of like, oh man, this is, you know, I got to keep making birdies, blah, blah, blah. And, and you get out of that state that helped you get there. And the goal is not to be reactive, you know, because golf is a variable game. There's going to be ups and downs, highs and lows. And that's understandable. We don't need to react to that. We need to um, we need to stay aware of what we're doing because swing thoughts and all these things are normal. The doubts that you have, the you know thoughts that you have are normal. 
and you don't need to get freaked out and go down this reactionary path. So anyways, those are my thoughts. We've learned a lot here today. We've gotten some different perspectives. We've heard some good stories. We've gotten some understanding. I enjoyed this. If you want to learn more, Mark Immelman, his podcast on the mark. I was actually just on it. He had me on his show, which was amazing. Uh, We had this conversation about practice and learning. It was really fun. Go subscribe to his podcast. Listen in. Noel, we have links to some coaching that he has created. He has some great online education that you should go check out. He's a great coach. He has this great perspective with this research background, his understanding of learning, his understanding of how the, you know, how our brain works and all that stuff is really, really good. I recommend that you check out what he's doing. We have some links on the post along with this podcast. You should go check out what he's up to. And then Matt, Matt, I hope you play awesome at the U.S. Open this weekend. Uh, We're all cheering for you here at the Golf Science Lab podcast. All the listeners, I hope that you go uh, star him on the leaderboard so you can keep track of how he's doing this week. Play well. If you missed it, we told his story on the podcast a little bit ago. Go listen to that. I also on the post along with this link up a bunch of different podcasts that we've done in the past that relate to this kind of about external focus and just so you can uh, think about that as well. Thank you so much for listening. I enjoyed this. Make sure to subscribe for what's coming here down the line. This episode was hosted, written, and directed by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. 